0: they're in business together. Danny Bush knows the Carlisle Group since years before. Been raking in billions and itching for more.
1: This revolution i'm danica of code pink welcome to our code pink radio show presented by wbai 99.5 fm in new york city wpfw 89.3 fm in washington dc kpft 90.1 fm in houston kpfk 90.7 fm los angeles and many other community radio stations like western mass community broadcasting wmcblp FM. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out our website at www.codepink.org forward slash radio, where you'll find all of our episodes from episode one to our most recent. Today, I want to circle back on the Ground the F-35 campaign that Code Pink is organizing uh, with an international coalition. We actually just sort of got done with a bunch of dates of action regarding the F-35. We had actions in Vancouver, um, in Madison, Wisconsin, in Burlington, Vermont, New York City, Philadelphia, and a few more places. Um, just to highlight some of the actions that did happen, in D.C., uh, Washington, D.C., Code Pink got on stage at a CSIS event where one of the vice presidents of Lockheed Martin was speaking on a women's empowerment panel about women in defense, women at the Pentagon, etc. cetera. Um, and we got on stage and disrupted the event to say, ground the F-35. F-35s are used by the Israeli government and the Israeli military to bombard Gaza um, that kills women and children um, and the people that they love. Um... So we were there to say that feminism is not militarism. Um, You can't uh, work for a defense company that profits off the death of women all over the world and claim to be feminist. It's not empowerment uh, to be a war profiteer. So we did that. We got on stage, uh, made our message very clear, said to ground the F-35. And that was a very, very successful disruption you can view it on tiktok and our various social medias code pink alert on tiktok and instagram Uh, so please please go check that out Uh, also uh, i had the pleasure of being up in madison wisconsin where the f-35s are being moved to in just a few months uh at the truex national uh, or air air base uh the national air guard and um we successfully blockaded Uh, the front of the fighter wing, uh, the entrance to the fighter wing, and stopped a shift change from happening in Madison, um, which was really, really exciting and effective. Um, uh, That was on March 27th, uh, in the very early morning that we did that. It was very, very cold outside. I couldn't feel my toes by the end of it. Uh, But we were successful in blocking the shift change at the airbase with no arrests, And in Burlington, Vermont, where the F-35 training is currently taking place, uh, anti-war activists attended the city council meeting and basically overtook the public comment section, uh, calling on the city council members to have an opinion on the F-35 and make it clear where they stand on it and uh, make sure to call on the state government to get rid of the F-35s. Uh, they called attention to how the F-35s moving to Burlington impacted the housing shortage. They had to de- demolish 200 affordable housing units uh, in order uh, to have the F-35s move to Burlington. And it also makes a whole slew of affordable housing units that do exist there uh hard to live in because of the 115 decibel noise it's causing noise pollution it's causing uh, hearing loss in children uh, ptsd anxiety etc they dominated the city council meeting uh, with their with their public comments calling on the city council to ground the f-35 we also did a two banner drops that said ground the f-35 in uh, the state capital of wisconsin Uh, which was really, really exciting to do. And so uh, the Ground the F-35 campaign sort of sees the F-35 as a microcosm of the military-industrial complex, and it's sort of hard to get people to see the whole Pentagon budget and see it as a winnable political goal to defund the Pentagon. Um, But when you take something smaller, like the F-35, a portion of the Pentagon budget, and you make it clear all the issues with it that exist at the whole Pentagon level, like environmental destruction, uh, waste of taxpayer dollars, etc., you can start to chip away at the Pentagon budget. And that's what we're doing to ground the F-35 campaign. So really we're talking about the F-35 fighter jet as a small piece of the Pentagon budget. Um, so today on Code Pink Radio, we'll be talking with... David Swanson and Lindsey Kosherian um, about the, Pen- the new Pentagon budget and Biden's Pentagon budget request, what Congress will likely do um, in response to this Pentagon request, uh, hear from them about how the breakdown is, the, their analysis of it, and then I will also talk further about the F-35 program and um, re-highlight the issues uh, with the fighter jet. Um, and with that, let us hear from our guests.
2: So, David Swanson, um, uh, we're pleased to have you. David Swanson is an author, an activist, a journalist, uh, and a radio talk host of Talk World Radio. He's executive director of World Beyond War uh, and campaign coordinator for RootsAction.org. David's books on War and Peace include Leaving World War II Behind, An Argument Against the Use of World War II, as a reason for even more war. Uh, And War is a Lie, a catalog of the types of falsehoods falsehoods regularly told about wars. David Swanson was awarded the 2018 Peace Prize by the U.S. Peace Memorial Foundation. And David is on the advisory boards of Nobel Peace Prize Watch, Veterans for Peace, Assange Defense, BPUR, and Military Families Speak Out. Thank you
3: so much for being with us tonight, David. Thank you. So Davis, tell us, uh, David, excuse me, tell us what you think about the military budget. I know you have a lot of thoughts about that. Ah, okay. And, um, lessons that we need to learn. I had
4: thought I was going second, I guess I'm going first, that's cool. Um, so uh, this uh, little short presentation is called How to Reduce Military Spending. It ought to be easy. Open bank vault, remove weapons dealers, close bank vault. In reality, we need a ton of tools and work and luck. In constant dollar terms, after Korea, after Vietnam, after Reagan's second term and Obama's first term, US military spending went down, just never as much as it had gone up. So ending wars, including cold wars, may help us. We now have a war underway in which the U.S. participation is understood as primarily spending money. Ending that spending could be expanded into reducing military spending more broadly. With Afghanistan and Iraq, it took a year and a half or so each to get good U.S. majorities in polls saying the wars never should have been started. The war in Ukraine appears to be on perhaps the same trajectory. Of course, those who believe that those wars shouldn't have been started did not for the most part believe they should be ended the wars had to be continued for the sake of the troops even if the actual troops were telling pollsters they wanted the wars ended my hope is that u.s opposition to the war in ukraine may grow in the absence of that troopist propaganda as u.s troops are not involved in large numbers and not supposed to be involved at all we also have the u.s media looking back with some glimmers of honesty here and there at 20 or so years of disastrous war spending. Some of those wars have already been ended without the appropriate reductions in military spending. We can point out that U.S. military spending is now about double what it was in 2000. We can also point out that the Democratic Party platform of 2020 promised what we're demanding, and that once elected, Biden and the Democrats did the opposite of what they'd promised. That platform tied reducing military spending to ending the wars on Afghanistan and Yemen. They have actually ended one of those and pretended to end the other one while increasing military spending. Actually ending the war in Yemen via the War Powers Resolution might help us cut military spending, not that ending that war is any easier but there is an active movement working on it and a Zoom call this Saturday about it with several Congress members expected to take part. People have generally caught on that when a bank or a corporation or a disease epidemic that impacts rich people needs money, somebody simply invents unlimited money out of nowhere. So our constant demand that military spending go down so that human and environmental spending can go up may be less persuasive. We may be giving ourselves two incredibly difficult tasks rather than making one of them easier. If the U.S. government were willing to fund education or housing or the environment, it would simply do so. Reducing military spending wouldn't compel it to do so. I conclude that we should not shy away from all the usual comparisons of what we could get for what is spent on militarism, nor from comparing the U.S. military with those of other countries but that there may be something else that's more important. I mean the evil of war, the moral case against war and against the spending that generates more wars. Looking back at our efforts to end the war on Iraq, we never did even really try to teach the public that modern wars are one-sided slaughters. The fact that well over 90% of the deaths were Iraqis never got through nor the fact that they were disproportionately the very old and the very young, nor even the fact that wars are fought in people's towns and not on 19th century battlefields. Today, the very best Congress members will tell you the war was a mistake and cost money and so forth. But just imagine on a smaller scale, murdering a bunch of your neighbors and then saying it was a mistake and you're sorry the bullets cost so much, even while buying twice as many bullets every day. The point of teaching people the immorality of war is not to feel good or to make somebody feel bad, but to mobilize action. People care, people will act and fund efforts to help distant strangers if someone tells them about the need. So here's how military spending has gone the past few times through. Biden proposes a massive increase above and beyond both what he proposed the year before and what the Congress increased that to. The corporate media reports on the budget proposal mostly as if the single item that takes up more than half of it doesn't even exist. Nobody is asked for a preferable budget proposal just as no presidential or congressional candidates ever are. The basic facts discoverable from a simple pie chart are kept secret from most people. Zero Democrats object or encourage no votes or vote withholding threats or even state that they will personally vote no. But the Congressional Progressive Caucus publishes a so-called explainer with three sentences at the end, vaguely objecting. Congress, with Republicans in the lead, proposes a massive increase over and above Biden's massive increase. So-called progressive Democrats whimper about the Republican increase, suggesting through omission that it was the only increase. But zero Democrats object or encourage no votes or vote withholding threats or even state that they will personally vote no. The one exception I know of was in the Senate one year and not exactly a Democrat. Bernie Sanders once said that he would vote no. Then the bill passes both houses and and is signed into law. And progressive Democrats tell people they voted no, and moreover, they've co-sponsored the People Over the Pentagon Act. But that latter is a bill to reduce a bit the military spending that has gone through the roof during the years they've been proposing that bill, a bill that won't pass the House, but if it did, would have to pass the Senate and the president. And then military spending could simply be increased by the $100 billion that bill reduces it by. If a Congress member or a caucus thereof were serious, they would do what the progressive caucus did to oppose the mansion dirty oil deal. They withheld their votes from a Democrats only procedural vote to bring a bill to the floor unless that deal was left out and they got what they wanted. But that bill was last year's military authorization act. Never once have they organized and withheld their votes to reduce military spending. This I think should be our primary demand to them. Will you speak out about the need for your colleagues to join you in voting no on military spending unless it is significantly reduced? Doing so on every relevant vote, whether or not you expect to succeed, but even if you might succeed. A caucus of Congress members in a single house can change policy by withholding votes, depending how many of them there are, how many are in on the vote, and and what other members are voting with them for their own reasons. And I don't think many Congress members believe that many of their constituents know that. Might they risk making it worse, worse than the current course of quickly destroying all life on earth? Perhaps, but they'd make an actual effort and we'd see who did and who didn't and needed pressure. A single Congress member can force a swift debate and vote on ending a war such as Yemen or Syria. I know that most Congress members are confident their constituents have never heard of that. Not one Democrat spoke in support of a recent resolution to end U.S. war making in Syria. How many of them have heard from us that we want that war ended, troops brought home, troops brought home from everywhere, foreign bases closed, and military spending slashed? The media's biggest lie on military spending is that of omission. Our job is to make it a story. The media's biggest lie overall is that of powerlessness. The reason the government spies on and disrupts and constrains activism is not that it's pretense of paying no attention to activism is real, just the opposite. Governments pay very close attention They know damn well that they cannot continue if we withhold our consent. The constant media push to sit still or cry or shop or wait for an election is there for a reason. The reason is that people have far more power than the individually powerful would like them to know, but we only have it if we exercise it.
3: Profound words from David Swanson, Executive Director of World Beyond War. It's my uh, great pleasure right now to introduce our next guest, Lindsay Works Her work and commentary on the federal budget and military spending has appeared on NPR, the BBC, CNN, The Nation, and so forth. She is the Program Director at the National Priorities Project. Her work is at the intersection of military and domestic federal spending. Lindsay got her start as a clinic worker and organizer at Planned Parenthood in central and suburban Philadelphia and led economic development and affordable housing studies at the University of Massachusetts Donahue Institute prior to joining the National Priorities Project in 2014. Lindsay holds a degree from UCLA and a BA in physics from the University of Pennsylvania. That's a master of public policy from UCLA. Welcome Lindsay Koshgarian to Code Pink Congress.
5: Thanks for having me, everyone. Um, and thanks, David, for your um, remarks. A lot of really good insights there. Um, and I'm looking forward to the discussion part of this so we can we can delve more into some of that. Um, I am here, and I, I have a couple of the same points as David, but I'm here to really talk about the numbers. Um, because as we know, the Biden budget request was released on March 9th, And unfortunately, it's a status quo request when it comes to Pentagon and war. Um, so that's what we're dealing with. And I'm going to give you some of the numbers and a little bit of context for those numbers. So we are on our way to a $1 trillion budget. And I know some of you will have heard already that we are at a trillion dollars, um, on something like national security or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's absolutely true. If you include things like veterans care and homeland security and things, and we look at it that way too, but I'm talking about just strictly the military budget. Um, and we are on our way. Um, to a trillion dollars there, and so that's a that's a mark that we have not hit previously since World War II, and we're getting very close. Um, so here is a graph that shows you this, um, but only going back to to nineteen to the nineteen seventies. But um, but you can see the Reagan area back there, which uh, many of us remember to, to varying degrees, maybe. Um, But remember how sky high that was. We're way, way beyond that now. Um, And we first kind of reached this level at that peak of the 9-11 wars when we were surging in Iraq and Afghanistan and um, spending went up. And then it came down again with um, (laughs) thanks, I have to say, to the Tea Party and their um, budget control measures and sequestration, which was very bad for social services, but which did result in some decreases um, to military spending um, but we're right back up there again. And we're right back up there um, in a world where we no longer have any active wars officially that the US is involved in. Um, now, of course, we all know what the exceptions to that are, but um, but it's it's notable still that we are officially in peacetime, and this is one of the highest military budgets on record, and is as high as it has been since World War II. Um, now you might see this little dip down here where it looks like the Biden request is lower than the most recent point, but that's only because the Biden request doesn't have the Ukraine aid in it yet. And once Congress gets around to that, um, and once Congress gets around to whatever other increases they do, um, most likely that last data point is gonna shoot right up. And just again, to remind David made this point, um, we officially pulled out of the war in Afghanistan. It is the first time on record that the United States has ended a war and saw no decrease in military spending. There was no peace dividend. There was no attempt to even find a peace dividend. Instead, military spending just kept right on climbing. Now, here's where we are right now. This is the current year uh, discretionary budget. This is the pot of money that Congress approves every year. And so this is what every year when they go through budget fights and we have government shutdowns and all of that, this pot of money is what all of that drama is about. Um, and right now we're just about where we've been, um, you know, give or take a little bit for years and years, which is that 51% of this budget is going to the military. Now you'll notice the next biggest chunk, and this is a newer trend, is the next biggest chunk is for veterans. And that chunk of money has been increasing because we keep churning out so many veterans because we keep having so many wars. So this part of the pie is just getting bigger and bigger um, as as that happens. And um, altogether it accounts for well more than half. And what of course that means is that any other legitimate things that you might want your government to do, invest in education, invest in infrastructure, invest in renewable energy, invest in regulation of industry, all of those things have to squeeze into a smaller and smaller part of the pie. And in case any of us have forgotten, um, we're coming from you know just less than a couple of years ago, um, the failure to pass the entirety of the Build Back Butter Better package that was what Biden had promised and that included a lot of things um, like child care and additional health care investments and other things um, that totally failed to pass the Senate. Um, and Joe Manchin was the one who got the fault. But this has been a failure ongoing for a long time. Um, And we keep hearing again and again that we can't afford all of these other programs that we need, but we know where the money is going. So we know that that's an empty claim. So here's just a little bit of information about what's actually in this Biden military budget request. The total request is $886 billion for the military, and this includes only a very small amount of Ukraine aid. Um, So... This is we would compare this to numbers from the past that also didn't include Ukraine aid, um, because what will happen is that they expect that Congress will just go ahead and pass that aid down the road. So it includes eight hundred forty two billion dollars for the Department of Defense itself. Um, It includes almost thirty three billion for nukes at the Department of Energy and includes eleven point five billion in other spending, which is. Things like some um, what they call defense related activities at the FBI and some military retirement accounts and, and other things like that. That last number stays about steady year to year. So that's not where we're looking at the big increase. Um, this budget includes the, their largest procurement budget ever at one hundred seventy billion dollars. So that's the weapons budget. It includes the largest Space Force budget ever at thirty three billion, which is almost double what it's been. In the past, and remember the Space Force is really new, it's just a Trump creation, so we haven't had it for very long, but this is what we foretold would happen, is that this budget would balloon, and that's exactly what's happening. Um, It includes 37 billion dollars inside the Pentagon budget for nuclear modernization, so they're talking about things like the Columbia-class submarine and other delivery systems for nuclear weapons, so that's an additional nuclear-related cost, Um, and it also includes a record in recent years, on missiles and munitions, and this is because they're planning. This is related to the Ukraine planning. So they're calling for 30.6 billion for missiles and munitions, up from 24.7 billion in the in this current fiscal year. That's a big increase. That's about a 20% increase. Um, so they're call, they're looking for more money all over the place. These are some of the most notable places where um, these increases are coming from, um, and this is this is what they're asking for. Uh, I see a comment clarifying nuke on Pentagon and in addition. Yes. So the 30, so the um 32 billion for nukes in this first bullet, that's in the Department of Energy. Those are the actual nuclear weapons. Those are the warheads. Um, then the 37 point billion, 37 billion in the in the Pentagon is for the delivery systems. That's for the submarines, it's for the um the bombers, it's for the things that actually take the nuclear weapon and um, and use it to bomb people. Um, so if you, you can add those together to kind of figure out um, what we're spending. But then that $37 billion is only for modernization. So that's not necessarily everything. That's just what they're calling, you know, they're ramping back up the, the nuclear commitment. And that's what they're calling that is, is the modernization. Um, so I hope that answers that question. Um, on Ukraine, of course, this is a big question. Um, that $886 billion total that we're looking at, um, that's $28 billion higher than fiscal year, the, the fiscal year we're in right now. So it's a $28 billion increase, but that doesn't include Ukraine aid because we don't know where Ukraine aid is going to go this year yet. Um, there's a little bit of it in the Biden budget, but only about $6 billion total. total. Um, and so what we would expect is that Congress is just going to keep finding is just going to keep adding to that as the year goes on. Um and last year, um, the military aid to to not military aid to Ukraine, the Pentagon portion of military aid was 37 billion. Um, and then there was more in the State Department. So that's not the the total total, but the the Pentagon portion of it was 37 billion. Um what Biden is requesting in this, port, in this part is also a 4.8 billion fund for European European deterrence, which is something that they've been doing back since 2014 um, and the Crimea invasion. Um, but that doesn't tell the whole story. That's not, you know, we can't look at that number and say that's what they're spending on Ukraine because we know there will be more. Um, and because last year there was tens of billions more. Um, so this is just the very beginning of what of what they're gonna be looking for on Ukraine. And then finally, China. Um, and I was gonna—I um, was gonna read my. Um, once I close the slideshow, I'll uh, maybe read you a couple of bullet points from the Department of Defense's um, budget briefing on this, because because what you have to know is that they're justifying everything they do on the backs of China and Russia. So just because there's nine billion dollars in this budget for Pacific deterrence, which really you should read as China deterrence. The truth is that almost all of it or, you know, easily tens and tens of billions more are being justified on the back of China. So there's no one number that you can pinpoint, but everything that they are doing, they're talking about either China or Russia at this point. That's their entire story for everything. So and then finally, what we have to remember about all of this. This is the Biden request. It's just a request. It has no power in Congress. Congress will do whatever they want. And what Congress typically wants is to fund the Pentagon and military and war at an even higher level. So these are a couple of just headlines from uh, last year's um, budget. And the House went up by 37 billion and then the Senate went up by 45 billion and the higher one won. Um, So we can expect another story similar to this this year um, for, for how Congress will go through this. Now, I do like to, um, I'm a fan of the People Over Pentagon Act. We would cut $100 billion. It's not enough. Um, It's especially not enough because it's gone up by $100 billion in just a few years. So taking off $100 billion would only take us back to about 2018. Um, So it's not nearly enough. Um, But it is a significant start. And it is something that has little enough support in Congress that building support for this as a first step um, is sort of a tactical decision. Um, There is also something, um, there is the Poor People's Campaign has a um, third reconstruction act that calls for an initial 10% cut followed by a plan to cut by half. So there are things out there that cut more than this. Um, and there's a third Reconstruction Act that um, Representative Barbara Lee, who's the sponsor of this, is also the sponsor of. Um, so there are alternatives out there, but this is this is one of them. Um, and at National Priorities Project, of course, we focus on what we could buy instead, and, um, and here are some of the things we could buy instead. And then finally, because we focus on things we could buy instead, I just want to point out that at our website, we have a calculator um, where you can choose your state or you can choose your congressional district. You can see what we could buy instead um, for your state or congressional district. You can use those talking points in your letters to the editor or when you meet with your member of Congress. Um, and those are those are particularly useful things. Although I will say, I fully agree with David's point that we also need to go really hard on why this is bad spending to begin with um, and not just talk about uh, what we should be spending on instead. So that's what I've got and uh, I'll, I'll stop there. Thank you
1: so much to our guests and our listeners who are listening to Code Pink Radio coming to you through Pacifica Radios, WPFW in Washington, D.C., WBAI in New York City, KPFT in Houston, KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. We'll be back after this break.
6: Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel when you shine you know how i feel send all the pine, you know how i feel the freedom is mine and i know how i feel it's a new dawn but it's a people new often day. ask me
7: how do i maintain my spirits in these difficult times and i have a five word answer latin america and the caribbean In this region, progressive governments are coming to power, pushed forward by people's organizations that are giving us an idea of what participatory democracy can look like. That's why I'm so excited about the America's Policy Forum we're organizing in Washington, D.C. on April 29th, where people from the region will tell us about their hopes, their dreams, and how we can help. So join us in Washington or online And find out more at americaspolicyforum.org. Thank you.
1: Welcome back. My name's Danica from Code Pink. You're listening to Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C., KPFT in Houston, and KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. So last week in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, I got the opportunity to go and help peace activists there block and block the shift change at their air base that will be hosting the F-35s. We successfully blocked the shift change that morning on March 27th, um, stopped a bunch of cars from coming into the fighter wing um, for a few hours. And so now we'll hear from a local broadcast, uh, some interviews from the people who participated.
8: Activists opposed to the F-35 fighter jets coming to Madison. Today was a day of action. About 40 members of Safe Skies Clean Water, Wisconsin, Code Pink and Midwest Catholic workers gathered in the pre-dawn hours outside the entrance to the 115th Air National Guard Base at Truax Field, holding signs, singing peace songs, and physically obstructing vehicles from entering the base.
7: Keep your eyes on the without the
8: The military selected the 115th Air National Guard to receive F-35 military jet planes as soon as this May. There is controversy surrounding these jets due to the noise they make, reportedly four times louder than the F-16s that have been at the base, PFAS pollution from the base, and the risk of making Madison an enemy target. Most cars respected the protesters blocking the entrance. And here you can hear them talking to the driver of one car. One child, one child. Here comes the car.
6: Oh, and it's
8: going, turning in. It's going in
6: today. We don't want you to. Mike, we want to stop war. We're here to say no to war. We don't, we don't. I understand. I hope you do. But we don't want you to commit assault. I don't know. I want you to do it without committing assault. That's all that I want for you. And we want to say no to war, that's why we're here.
8: The man I says he wants you. to go to work.
6: Then, then walk in. Then walk in. Then walk in. He needs to don't pay his to bills. bills. On your way to work. That will not support your family and you know that. You know that. Driving over a person with a vehicle, that's that this is a weapon. There's
9: other, there's
6: other I know it seems that you're about to and I don't want I don't want you to do that. That makes sense. It does. It makes perfect sense. We're not going to move, because we're here to say no to war. You're part of something larger.
8: And the car is backing up and driving away. But the scene became a lot more tense, with some drivers more determined to enter. Here comes a truck, a large white GMC truck. Oh, and it is not going to stop and it's going straight past me on the sidewalk almost and people are jumping out of the way and it's going through. Oh, here's another truck. Someone is down on the ground getting back up again. The truck had inched forward and knocked a protester to the ground. Several people standing in front of the car. This is assault. This is assault. (laughs) F-25, super heavy duty. Several protesters stood in front of the truck with their hands on the hood, forming a human barrier to the base entrance. More cars coming in the outdoor. The, The truck is inching forward. And it's backing up. That was very close. And it's driving off. Watch out, people. Danica is the national co-director of Code Pink, a woman-led national anti-war organization that formed in 2002. She was in town to support local anti-F-35 efforts.
1: I've been working with the people in Burlington, Vermont, where the F-35s currently are are trained. And they describe it as, uh, you know, incredibly loud. It causes a bunch of uh, noise pollution. Uh, They also had to knock down a bunch of homes because of the noise. Uh, And Vermont is currently in a housing shortage. And definitely uh, similar situations would happen here in Madison if the training were to move here.
8: Madison anticipates that 1,400 households, that's over 3,000 people, will have to be relocated, because they live in areas too close to the jets, and it is too loud for human habitation. People waiting to enter the base for work declined to comment about the F-35s for WORT, but Tim spoke about why he opposes the F-35 jet.
4: It's horrible for peace, uh, and it's an enormous waste of taxpayer money. It'll cost 1.7 trillion dollars over the course of its lifetime, That money could forgive all student debt in this country, that money could fund so many urgent priorities, but instead, they're bringing a nuclear bomber to Madison, Wisconsin, against the wishes of the people, so they can make more money for Lockheed Martin and not keep anybody safer. This is putting Madison on the map as a nuclear target, and we're here to keep Madison safe, to protect the children, to protect the air, and to protect the water.
8: Mid-morning after the dawn action at the airbase, about 40 anti-F-35 activists went to the state capitol to persuade Governor Tony Evers to cancel the F-35s and change the mission of the airbase to peacekeeping and public safety. Several were ready to get arrested, among them Tom Boswell of Safe Skies Clean Water, Who spoke to a representative from the governor's office?
9: Hi, I'm Boswell. I'm Dave. Safe Skies Clean Water Coalition. We we sent a letter to Maggie Gow on February 8th, uh, Mm an email letter asking for a meeting with the governor. I think Francesca Hong, one of our state representatives, also requested uh, about a month before that that the governor meet with us. Some of us are planning to stay here until we get an answer to our question. Until we get a, a, a date on the calendar on when we're going to have that meeting between the governor and the community to talk about the F 35 and the new mission for the air base. Okay?
4: Gotcha. Well, I can flag for our team and see what they can do, but unfortunately, most people aren't available currently. Um, so if you leave a constituent registration form. You know, here. I,
9: you know, I get emails from the governor every day, I get the news releases, and I'm sure you must have. Uh, time to meet with thousands and thousands of people on the north and east side of Madison who are concerned about this issue. Mm -hmm. And the jets are uh, scheduled to come uh, sometime in May. We don't have a lot of time to wait.
8: The governor was not forthcoming. Boswell believes that Senator Tammy Baldwin and Governor Tony Evers have the power to stop the F-35s from coming to Madison. Boswell was at the Capitol to prevent
9: nuclear-capable and uh, military jets in the middle of a, of a low-income, high-density community on the north and east side of town, uh, as well as, uh, of course, pollution of our water for over a half-century now. We have fifty-nine schools and daycares within uh, three miles of the airport, and those kids are, are going to suffer immensely. It's so difficult for them to learn now for a variety of reasons, and now their classes are gonna be disrupted seven times a day by these awful, boondoggle, horrible, inexcusable F-35 jets.
8: The group of activists obstructed the entrance to the governor's office while the raging grannies and other protesters sang their support. As of airtime, no arrests were made. This is Helena White reporting from a day of action in opposition to the F-35 fighter jets coming to Madison for WORT
1: local news. We are back talking about the Pentagon budget and the F-35.
7: So our next guest is uh, Danica Katowicz, who is our national co-director at Code Pink and the lead organizer of the Abolish the F-35 campaign. Uh, She's a graduate from DePaul University in political science and she has been working towards ending US participation in the war in Yemen for many years now at Code Pink. She also works on the youth outreach as a facilitator of the Peace Collective, which has sometimes hosted these Code Pink Congresses. It's a youth cohort of Code Pink that focus on anti-imperialist education and divestment. So thank you, Danica.
1: Thanks, Medea. And a big thank you to David uh, and Lindsay for their presentations. I'm sort of taking the Pentagon budget and putting it at a smaller scale really quick um, and talking about the F-35 program. So for just a brief background, Um, The F-35 is the most expensive weapon system. It's going to cost the US taxpayer $1.7 trillion over its lifetime, but probably more than that. Um, It's been riddled with issues and setbacks since the beginning. And my favorite story to tell people, because it is sort of the only funny and harmless story um, that deals with the F-35 is Lockheed Martin, who manufactures the, the plane, was supposed to send a prototype to the Paris air show, I believe in 2007 and they couldn't get their stuff together in time. And so they instead commissioned paintings of it and put the paintings, at the air show, which always sort of makes me laugh. Um, cause how ridiculous, um, so The origin of Code Pink's campaign uh, was in October of 2022. We sent a letter uh, to President Biden and to all members of Congress uh, with over 200 organizational signatures from the U.S. and around the world uh, to cancel the F-35 program. We worked with international groups and countries that were buying the F-35, uh, like Canada, Switzerland, and Germany, um, and also to organize around the international angle to stop purchases of planes, but we also partnered with organizations in Burlington, Vermont, and Greater Vermont, um, where F 35 F 35 training takes place, and in Madison, Wisconsin, where F-35 training is going to take place very shortly. Um, we see the F 35 program as sort of a microcosm of the military industrial complex. You just heard David and Lindsay talk about how much we spend on um on the Pentagon budget and how harmful it is. And the F-35 program is just sort of a zoomed in version of that. Um, it's wasteful, it's delayed, it's very, very extremely harmful, uh, it's bad for the environment, etc. So it's been sort of a huge learning tool because sometimes the entire Pentagon budget is sort of hard for people to grasp because it's so large. Um, and where do you cut funding from it? There's so many different programs. Um, so it's hard to get specific. Um, it also the F thirty five program got a lot of criticism from members of Congress last year, um, so we're using that as leverage. Um, and while war inflation continues and uh, continues to punish working class people in the U.S., um, we can point to wasteful programs like this and sort of create the conditions for its cancellation. The um, previous F thirty, uh, the previous fighter jet that um, got canceled, and I believe two thousand nine was the F twenty two. Cancelled during a recession, very, very similar um, uh, conditions surrounding the end to that program. But of course, uh, it wasn't replaced by the F-35 because they do do different things sort of. Um, But the the budget gap was filled with the F-35 in the absence of the F-22. Um, So in our letter, we highlight a few different aspects of the letter that I just want to talk to you all about, because it gave us a lot of avenues for different groups, not just anti-war groups to join um, the letter. And it was, of course, harmed through militarism, like David said. You know, we primarily oppose the F-35 as a weapon of war. Uh, Israel's attacks on Gaza regularly uh, use the F-35 to kill Palestinians living there. And of course, the inefficiencies and failures that sort of plagued the F-35. It's about nine years behind schedule. Um, and until about a month ago, engine deliveries were delayed because of a crash in Fort Worth, Texas back in December. Um, the Government Accountability Office said that the F-35 continues to fall short of prescribed mission-capable rates and is consistently m- missing reliable targets in 2021, uh, only 50% of the planes were mission capable, um, and then the F-35B was fully mission capable less than 20% of the time, and the F-35C was only capable 9.5% of the time. Obviously, the cost to the taxpayer, I said it cost $1.7 trillion over his lifetime, Um in spending billions to trillions of dollars on a plane that is not yet up to speed with what the government has requested is poor fiscal policy. So for uh, groups and people that care about that, that's how they sort of bought into the F-35 campaign. Um, Environmental impact also. The F-35 uses a significant amount of fuel, about 2.37 gallons of fuel per every mile traveled and about 1300 gallons of fuel per hour. the F-35, I also want to highlight in the context of, you know, people are very, very worried um, of a nuclear confrontation between Russia and the US. Um, the F-35 also is part of the US Strategic Nuclear Bombing Force, um, processing the capability to carry and deploy the B-6112 guided nuclear bomb. And uh you know, you all probably assume this nuclear bombs are not good for the environment or for people. Um, So they're relatively new from what I understand the the bombs. Um, They can detonate between the beneath the earth's surface, increasing their destructiveness against underground targets. And it is the equivalent uh, of a surface burst weapon with a yield of 1.2 kilotons, which is basically 83 Hiroshima bombs. Um, Boeing makes this bomb with Sandia Labs, which is also owned by Lockheed Martin. So um, we have a week of action coming up starting actually on Friday, uh, Thursday um we have events in Burlington uh Madison Massachusetts Philly New York City and a few more there are a few direct actions so I can't really talk specifics but please go on Code Pink's Twitter or Instagram or website and we will be posting um about them there as they come up um We have events on our event page for Burlington um, and Madison and Philly in New York City starting tomorrow. So please, please, if you are in those areas, attend. Um, We're encouraging people to go to the Burlington City Council meeting on Monday the 27th to give public statements. Um, So if you go to Code Pink's event page, you can sign up to speak there. And also at the Transportation um, Committee a city council meeting at in Burlington as well. Um, And I encourage everyone to sign the letter as an individual uh, to cancel the F-35 program. And you can go to codepink.org forward slash ground the F-35.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much, Danica. A lot of information there, so chilling. Thank you for listening to Code Pink Radio, presented by
1: WBAI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C., KPFT in Houston, KPFK, 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. And make sure to tune in next week. I've been Danica with Code Pink.
0: Bush and Bin Laden, you think they're foes? They're in business together. Bush knows the Carlisle Group since years before been raking in billions and itching for more. It's blood for oil, we know there's a link. They say, Cold War, we say, Cold Pink. It's blood for oil, we know there's a link. They say, Cold War, we say, say say Cold Pink. Code pink, code pink for freedom, code pink for peace, code pink till hunger and war have ceased. Code pink for women, boys, men, and girls. Together we'll make peace. In this trying to stop us from taking the street? And ash of our phones and the places we meet, they curtail our speech, our movement.